It's time for episode 372 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's overclocked for the best audio performance. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I'm joined across the internet by my good pal and dungeon buddy. It's Dan the Man Morin. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great, Micah. I've overclocked my microwave and all my food gets very hot very quickly <laughs> and occasionally catches on fire. So everything's going smoothly here today. Um, while we're working on that, it is time to introduce our incredible guests. I'm excited to be joined by the strategist to the stars, Creative Strategies. It's Carolina Milanese. Welcome back to the show, Carolina. Thank you for having me. So delighted that it worked out this time. We always uh, (laughs) seem to pick the wrong day. And to my left this week, it's the co-host of Fine Podcasts about automation, it's automators and nested folders, and the author of Take Control of Shortcuts, the automation guru herself, Rosemary Orchard. Welcome back, Rosemary. Hello. I'd like to hear more about shortcuts for your microwave, please. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, we have just 30 minutes, four topics. You know how this show works. So let's get this bad boy underway. Uh, I would like to know, what's something you could do digitally that you still choose to do non-digitally? Carolina, we'll start with you. I had to think about this for a little bit because the first thing that came to mind was books. Um, I do both, but when I need to study something and I need to retain, I do the thing that when I was younger, I was told is because I'm not very bright. I underline and make annotations next to it. Um, and I still do that. Um, you know, even in, uh, in uh, my old age. So I, I read real books and touch them. It also helps me uh, push my daughter into reading more. This was a struggle a little bit in the earlier uh, age. And uh, she always turned around and was like, well, you never hold a book in your hand. So why should I? <laughs> um, so that helped. And the other thing is mind maps. Um, as much as there are a lot of applications and, you know, digital version on mind maps, whenever I need to strategize on anything, um, you know, a presentation or even a um, an article that I'm writing, um, I'd rather do it with pen and paper for some bizarre reason. Mm. Yeah, those are actually, those are both pretty close to things that I was thinking about. I, I still read a lot of paper books. I mean, my parents were both librarians, so that's kind of inured in me, the whole like having books things. I have giant, many, many bookshelves uh, that now, especially once my wife moved in, we have so many books. <laughs> Um, so I, I do read ebooks and I've read more and more of those recently, but I really prefer still reading paper books when I can. So mainly I get held back by just not wanting to add more clutter to my life. Uh, and it was a lot easier before the pandemic. The library system made that very simple. So now it's a little more challenging these days. I have to agree with uh, Carolina that there are certain types of like brainstorming or note taking slash for me, I love puzzles and puzzle solving, which I have to do on paper because as as much as they've tried to adapt digital tools to this, I've tried doing like, you know, notes and diagrams and stuff on my iPad with my Apple Pencil or in other ways. And it's just 
there's something that doesn't quite translate to my brain in terms of like the actual act of doing a thing and like sparking ideas for whatever reason, drawing on paper. I, I find that so much easier uh, to, to actually do like, like note taking and, and ideas and diagramming for, especially for like novels and stuff like that. I find that way easier on paper than I do even on my iPad. I've tried, I've tried on the iPad, but it just doesn't work for me. Well, uh, there are a whole bunch of things that I do on paper. As if I if I want to play with fountain pens, then I, I definitely do the analog version of this versus you know the digital version. Because let's be honest, digital fountain pens just aren't as glittery, uh, <laughs> which is disappointing. Um, everybody needs more glitter in their lives. But um, the the one thing that really immediately uh, jumped out at me when when I saw this question in the outline was my day planning. Because um, I, I use a digital task management system and I have a whole project management systems and stuff. They're all digital. When it comes to actually sitting down and figuring out my day, there is nothing better than a pad of paper and a pen because then you can rip it up and throw it away when your day goes haywire because your toilet was not delivered this morning as it was promised to be delivered. Yes, that's a thing in my life right now. Um, and uh, you can you can just change everything really easily and you can scribble things through if you're angry when you finish them or you can do a really nice big green check mark next to them if you're happy and doodle on it and things like that. And then at the end of the day, you, you take take that off and uh, of the pad, and then you have a blank page ready for tomorrow. And I just love doing that. I am delighted that everybody still has very physical uh, things that they are doing uh, as opposed to digitally. I have some areas where I find that very important. Um, the big one for me would be recipes. I like to print it out, um, not only because I... It sort of harkens back to, uh, you know, going through my great grandma's recipe cards and things like that, but also because it's just easier to move around. I feel less worried about getting it wet. I can cross things off if I want to, uh, you know, if it's just a one-time kind of recipe, I can easily go and grab it. There's no screen turning off. So for me, that's what kind of sparked this question. So yeah, thank you all for your answers on that. Let's go to our next question, which comes from Carolina. Well, I thought given that we are doing this the day after the M1 uh, was on stage at Apple, um, that uh, I ask you a question about whether uh, we are happy that we have iOS apps, but we still don't have touch to the Mac. Were you expecting that? Is it a disappointment? I wasn't fully expecting it. I thought there was an outside possibility that it might happen. But the fact that Apple chose to instead rev its computers with versions that are basically identical to the previous versions also makes a lot of sense. But none of this rules out touch happening in the future at some point when it decides it wants to do that. But it also doesn't shock me that, you know, they've been very recalcitrant to talk about bringing touch to the to the Mac, at least in the form of like a touchscreen a la, you know, an iOS device. As far as like whether like the impact on that is going to be felt, I think... I think the the apps that it's bringing to the Mac by basically letting iOS apps run there, I think this is a fascinating move. And obviously, because they brought a keyboard and cursor interface to the iPad earlier this year, there is the potential for a lot of apps to already be kind of uh, adapted to use on the Mac because they've already added that functionality for the iPad. Obviously, there's tons that haven't as well. And so it will be really interesting to see how those apps actually adapt to being used on a Mac because... I think there's a lot of risk that they end up feeling like some of those, you know, weird initial catalyst apps that Apple itself brought over where it's like, well, this was an iOS app and it doesn't really work as expected on the Mac. 
Um, but I think it also gives the opportunity for a lot of developers to think about more about, well, what interfaces might people use and can I build an app that works well for touch and works well for keyboard and cursor support? So I think this is just a first step. And I, again, wouldn't be surprised to see a touch interface on the Mac show up at some point, but I think it's going to try to get everybody comfortable with the sort of architecture switch before it moves into something more radical. Having recently read a Tales from Tech Support uh, submission <laughs> on Reddit, uh, where people continually locked their Windows laptop into tablet mode, and it was completely different, and they didn't know how to fix it. Um, I, I'm kind of happy in some ways that we didn't get a touchscreen MacBook, because uh, there, for me, there's nothing worse than fingerprints on my screen when I'm not expecting them. On my iPad, I'm totally fine with it because it's a touchscreen device and it's, you know, that was the first, you know, interaction with it for me. On my Mac, I, I get angry when people touch my screen. So I'm quite happy that that's, that's not <laughs> no going to happen. Um, but at the same time, I, I do think for some apps, we're definitely going to see something where, you know, developers don't optimize their, their apps at all for the Mac. Um, and they just, you know, ship the iPad version and say, good enough. And you're there and you're mousing for what feels like a year and a half to try and make your way to the next icon because it's huge. So, uh, I, I think we'll see. And I'm definitely thinking we are going to get a touchscreen Mac, but it would have been nice to have one out of the gate if, iOS apps, you know, are really going to be a big thing. Um, but at the same time, we're getting new versions of Pages and Numbers and uh, all of the other Apple apps on Thursday, I presume, along with Big Sur. So, you know, we'll see what Apple have done there. And uh, until Shortcuts comes to the Mac, I don't really mind that much. It's it's fine. On occasion, I will find myself... Uh taking my finger and moving it toward the screen and going, <laughs> oh, you silly, silly, silly guy. Um, part of the problem is that I've got a uh, Surface Laptop 3 from uh, Microsoft, and it does have a touchscreen. And on the occasion that I use that and then go back to the Mac, uh, then that's where I typically run into that issue. That said, I am still just tap dancing mad and happiness about the idea that there will be a future in which I can run iOS apps on my Mac. So I'm just celebrating the win where it is because by golly, we've got to do it in this world we live in. Uh, Carolina, why don't you round us out? I, I agree with all the points that you all made. Um, I thought this might be the, the kind of a delicate way to say, well, we haven't really changed our mind. It's just that we have the right product now with our, with our silicon, right? So if they wanted to bring touch to the Mac, they could have done that. The other part that I thought was interesting was to, um, that they could have replicated the touchpad that we have on the Magic Keyboard for uh, iPad Pro. And that would have been a kind of an interim step where, you know, they don't give you touch, but as they do on the iPad Pro, they, they mimic the finger for certain apps and, and situations, but they didn't do that either. Um, and, and I think, you know, like you said, all... Uh, it would be nice at some point to have touch for certain apps because I do think that the ecosystem uh, that they build on iOS 
doesn't all move um, smoothly to a keyboard and and mouse uh, world. And so to gain more uh, applications and and use cases, especially in the enterprise where people are really really bothered by having a mouse and a keyboard, um, that would uh, that would help a lot. But you know, is day one, so there's definitely a long time. Uh, well, folks, we have reached halftime here on Clockwise, so I am going to take a quick break to tell you about Command Line Heroes. This is a podcast that tells epic, true tales of developers, programmers, hackers, geeks, and open source rebels who are revolutionizing the technolo- technology landscape. Season six of Command Line Heroes is available now, and this tells the story of black technologists who innovated and invented despite systemic racism, unfair hiring practices, and unequal education opportunities. There's an episode that I actually checked out. It's all about Gladys West, whose mathematical models and data analysis paved the way for GPS. Another episode tells the story of Jerry Lawson, who invented the first cartridge-based video game console, paving the way for Atari, Nintendo, and Sega. Another episode tells the story of Mark Dean, who grew up in the Jim Crow South and grew up to revolutionize the PC industry with the ISA bus. Uh, that episode about Gladys West is really interesting. Um, it talks all about the mathematical process of actually mapping the world and what uh, kind of led to the eventual uh, introduction of GPS. And one of the things that I kind of like is everybody should just go to Command Line Heroes. You can, you know, Google it or uh, it's it's at redhat.com because the site for this podcast is so incredibly well designed. Uh, there are little action figure art pieces created for each of the people that gets talked about in these episodes. And so there's this little Dr. Gladys West um, action figure that goes along with it. And it's just kind of fun to look at while you're listening to the episode. Uh, Search for Command Line Heroes anywhere you listen to podcasts. And of course, we'll include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to Command Line Heroes for its support of this show and Relay FM. All righty, Dan, what is your topic? Well, we've already touched on Apple Silicon Macs, but uh, my curiosity is more about how Apple is sort of describing and selling these Macs. We seem to be entering an era where speeds and feeds aren't as visible or relevant. There's no clock speeds on any of the new M1 Macs, for example. Um, And things like, you know, RAM, while still there, are much more limited in terms of configuration. I'm kind of curious if this is, is this a a loss of control for customers or is this sort of more of a much needed simplification for the people who are buying Macs. Rosemary, what do you think? I think it's both. Um, because for some people, they, they, they feel like they can't buy a machine unless they can quantify and qualify and, you know, categorize all of the different parts and say that, yes, this has got big enough numbers for me or small enough numbers for me. This is good enough. Um, but, you know, a lot of people really don't care. My mom, I distinctly remember when she got her MacBook, her primary concern was, is this small enough and light enough for me? Um, and she really didn't care about the power. Maybe she cared about the hard drive, but uh, that's an SSD and it's big enough for sure for everything that she's doing. Um, and I think for a lot of people, you know, the, the need to know, you know, the specs behind a machine has pretty much gone away. And especially when you're not comparing apples to apples, you're comparing apples to Intel's and AMD's. 
it doesn't really, you know, it uh, until, you know, somebody gets the same app installed on two devices and does the exact same workflow multiple times and, and benchmarks it in that respect, I think that it doesn't make a big difference. And for most people, it's not necessarily going to make a, a huge difference exactly what those numbers are, providing the machine actually does what it what they needed to do. Uh, I know I'm looking at the new Mapper Pro going, hmm, is this going to be a good Xcode machine for me? And the answer is probably yes, but my Intel Mac Mini will also be a very good Xcode machine for me. So we'll see. I, w- I have to quote the immortal and ever accurate um, taco shell ad and also join Rosemary in saying, why not both? Um, indeed, I, I think it's both. I think that... Um, there is a loss of control for the pros that feel, I mean, all the angst I saw on Twitter following this event. Um, certainly there is, is concern there, uh, and desire to have more control, but I think it's early days yet. So I don't think that it speaks to, um, this whole line being a loss of control. I think that it's just a temporary thing and it's early. Uh, but. We will see if if that part holds true. As for the needed simplification, I celebrate uh, the simplification on the consumer side of the line uh, because it makes it so much easier to say, yes, family person who has asked me uh, what, it, what Mac I should get, what Mac you should get, this is the one you should get, and you don't have to really worry about anything else but just getting this Mac. So, um, yeah. I think the numbers will come back with them too. <laughs> so when Apple will be able to say this is going to be better than M1, right? And so at that point, uh, to Rosemary's point about like for like comparison is really hard now because the, the performance that you get is not just about DM1, right? Is DM1, DOS and DApps all being optimized to run uh, together. And so that makes it really hard to even do a comparison with uh, a, a Mac running Intel. I think once M2 comes on and Apple can, can make that comparison of like for like, because it's, it's about vertical integration, right? That's what they're selling. Uh, that's what yesterday was, was all about is, uh, uh, you know, the fact that they haven't changed the design of the Mac, the fact that they haven't uh, added cellular connectivity. They really kept things as they are not to confuse people as to where the value is. The value is in the new architecture and the optimization of the OS and apps for that architecture. That's it. That's what they're selling. And that's what they want you to buy into so that, you know, they create more stickiness to that platform versus the device per se. I mean, maybe I'll be a little heretical here. I, you know, I I am somebody who definitely spent time, especially in my youth, like buying, you know, Macs and like figuring out what's the right number of, you know, what's the processor speed I want and configuring RAM and, you know, making sure that I had computers that were expandable. And maybe it's just the older I get, the less I'm interested in doing a lot of those things. I don't mind not knowing the details. Frankly, I have had, as somebody who used to write news stories when Apple would release products and have to type like, okay, it has a 3.2 gigahertz processor, but it's a built-to-order option for a 3.4 gigahertz processor. I invariably get numbers wrong. It'd be very frustrating. And over time, Apple's lineup has changed, right? Like because of the way the chips are architected now, even on the Intel side, 
they would have newer versions of architecture that would run at slower clock speeds than older versions of Intel chips that ran on older architectures. So even there, putting two chips up next to each other and saying, like, how do I think about these two things was something that was pretty opaque for most people. I don't think anybody's really felt super frustrated. I mean, aside with from a small minority when it comes to like iPhones or iPads with not knowing what the clock speeds are. And I think that's the the ethos that Apple is bringing to the Mac as well here. And I am kind of all for it. Uh, I realize there is a, a, you know, a section of the consumer base, which is going to be more concerned about this kind of stuff. And I think as Apple revises its chips, it will take steps to address those pro levels uh, as well, and whether it's from like a newer, faster chip or a variant of the M1, for example. Um, but it's, it's for me, I like the idea of getting a little simpler. It certainly makes it, like Micah said, much easier to tell somebody what computer to buy. And even for me, much easier to think about what computer to buy. And I think for Apple, the vast majority of their customer base is going to be just fine with it because they don't know what most of those numbers mean anyways. Uh, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our final topic today, which comes from Rosemary. Well, uh, we're talking about the new Silicon Max, and there's all these fabulous specs and big numbers and small numbers, and I noticed one not that big number, which is two. All of the new Macs from yesterday have two Thunderbolt slash USB 4 ports on them, and uh, the Mac Mini also has two USB A ports on them. But I was wondering, what device are you using right now? What ports does it have, and what are you using those ports for? And could you live with a two Thunderbolt port computer? That's a very personal question. And so I'm just, no, um, Rosemary, I was listening to you yesterday on MacBreak Weekly, uh, kind of talk about this and your desire for a multi USB-C uh, hub where it's like 10 different USB-C ports and you plug it in into one like we used to have with USB-A shaped ports. And I want, I've wanted that too. So you're not alone in that. And, um, I think we're on the same page when it comes to, uh, to, to desiring that. I use a, it's actually what, uh, Doc Rock ended up recommending on the show, which is a CalDigit TS3 Plus. I am a huge, uh, evangelist about this, this hub because it genuinely does it's one cord to the CalDigit TS3 Plus, and I've got everything plugged into it, and it's the one cord life for the most part. But even still, I find myself wanting more than just even the four ports that I have on my MacBook Pro. Uh, so when I heard there were only going to be two on these new machines, I was happy that I still have my now kind of... Um, uh, old school Intel MacBook Pro because I have four ports and not just two. So a two port MacBook Pro or MacBook is just not a machine that's for me. Um, and I completely understand that that's just not one for me. Uh, Carolina, what about you? I go between uh, a 2018 uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro uh, and uh, uh, a Surface Laptop uh, Go. Uh, and I use the Go for a lot of my video calls because it's much quieter than my, my Mac. So you don't hear the fan. And I have, um, um, a speaker, a mic, a DSLR, ca a DSLR camera, 
and uh, an external monitor attached to either of those at any given time. So no, two is not enough. <laughs> um, and it's not just that you can make do, but I hate the way I need to run my cables as well, depending on which side of the machine you have the, the ports. Um, that creates confusion and, you know, chaos comes from me with papers and stuff. It, chaos cannot come from, from a machine. So <laughs> Amen. It's, it's only self-inflicted. <laughs> um, and, and so I have an anchor dock and then for surface, I have a surface dock that I use so that everything stays plugged in where it is and, and I don't have to suffer. <laughs> Nice. Right. Yeah. Um, so my two primary machines right now are, I'm recording this on my 2017 iMac 5K, which has four USB 3 ports, two Thunderbolt 3 ports, and, uh, you know, Ethernet, that kind of stuff. I have mostly, oh my God, that's such a weird assortment of things plugged in. I've got like two external hard drives plugged in. I've got my podcast mic, which I'm obviously speaking to right now. And then I have like a couple cables that I sometimes keep loose on my desk, like a micro USB and a lightning cable just to charge things. Uh, and a USB-powered uh, book light that I use as a ring light for video. So all that stuff is plugged into the machine. Obviously, an iMac with two ports would not be sufficient in the least. However, my other machine is a 2014 MacBook Air, an 11-inch model, which has, I think, two USB-A ports on it. And I've gotten by with that just fine. Well, of course, that also has the older MagSafe power port. So if I need to be plugged in on one of those and plug in two things, yeah, that's starting to hit the the uh, the limit there but normally i would say i don't plug in more than one peripheral really at a time there because it's often like i'm traveling and i'm recording something so i have a mic plugged in but that's about it um so i you know i did buy a uh, i ordered a base level uh, macbook air with the m1 and i think i'll be okay with two ports on that but if that were my only machine yeah that would definitely be a a limiting factor there well, I'm very similar in that uh, I, I, I have uh, laptops, I have desktops, and I find that uh, sometimes it's, it's useful to be able to plug lots of things in. So on my Mac Mini, I frequently plug in my Ethernet um, and uh, the HDMI and everything into the, uh, the back of the machine. I've got a Satechi dock underneath because I don't have enough USB ports on this. So I've got a hard drive and two lamps that I use similar to Dan with the ring light plugged in and uh yes i i i use all of the things i've got a web camera i've got my xlr interface uh plugged in i've got my stream deck my keyboard all kinds of things and that's on my 2019 mac mini uh well folks we have reached the end of another episode of clockwise but of course we've got a bonus topic before we get there let me tell you folks about the intrazone by Microsoft SharePoint. Look, it's always fun to find new podcasts to listen to, and you may want to check out the IntraZone as one to add to your list. It is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work for you. But it's about more than that, because you can hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field. So you can learn how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life and share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. But there are so many segments, news and announcements, a focus topic of the week, guest perspectives, FAQs, and upcoming events. So you have an idea of what to expect, uh, some of the topics 
topics you might be interested in that were in previous episodes include working from home, uh, figuring out an intelligent intranet in your organization, and an episode talking about API and teamwork. So you should give it a try. The episode that I mentioned recently... I still think is worth checking out, even just for the inspiration, is one called Makers Make Magic, where they talk to Shane Young, who is a Power Apps guru, and Chris Kent uh, about making apps uh, with with Power Apps and sort of... This is automation in Microsoft land. And I think that that's what makes it really interesting because it just gives you some ideas on things that you can do uh, with these tools to produce new outcomes. It's very interesting. Uh, So you can go and listen to it now. Just search for The IntraZone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E, or just click the link in the show notes to check it out. Thanks to The IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint for its support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, a quick question for you. Have you picked up any new skills or interests during the pandemic? Carolina? Uh, like everybody else, I've been baking. Um, I was doing it before, but I, I tried to perfect my focaccia. My wife and I bought a house during the pandemic, so I'm about to have a lot of new interests, apparently. <laughs> but I won't say I've developed any skills. Yes. Uh, so I, I've been trying. Uh, I moved countries and bought a house during the pandemic. So apparently my, my skill is becoming more and more like Dan, uh, which is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, That's but I, I've, I've also been, uh, working on, uh, my organization skills because after moving house and living with everything in boxes, uh, that I realized that I really ought to get the things out of the boxes because, you know, it, Getting socks out of a box every day is not the greatest. For me, I have learned how to crochet and learned how to knit. And I've made several um, hats and, and little decorations and things like that. And it's just been a blast. And um, it's a skill I could recommend to anyone if you're looking for a delightful way to uh, create new things. It's really fun. Thank you all so much for your answers on that bonus topic. All that is left is to say goodbye to our fantastic guests. Carolina Milanese, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. And Rosemary Orchard, thank you so much for being here. No problem, Dan. I always love being on the show, especially when I have lots of time to prepare. (laughs) And Micah, we'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 